0: I think just given um, other officers the, the mindset of, if you get hurt, you can't just lay there and die. I'm still alive physically, yes, but there are parts of me that have died from that incident that night.
1: Welcome to Continued Conversations. I'm Brad Dexter, your host, along with Tim Banach and Claire Thielen. In this season of our podcast, we're taking the opportunity to explore the stories of people that are living with a variety of different neurological conditions. We'll converse about different diagnoses with experts, but what we'll learn there won't tell the entire story. Behind each of those diagnoses is an actual person, an individual, and a support system navigating grief, hopefulness, and developing resiliency. Join us for their journeys. Well, welcome back to the conversation. Uh, On our last podcast, we opened up some dialogue with some clinical experts regarding traumatic brain injury. And uh, today we are hosting Eric and Megan Mattson, who are really experts in real life uh, and living with a traumatic brain injury um, like Eric has experienced and, and Megan as his wife, uh, kind of helping move their family through that process as well. So welcome to the podcast, Eric and Megan.
2: Hi. <laughs> hey,
1: I'm, I'm wondering if you guys could just start us off and share a little bit of Eric's story. Uh, you know, how how did this... Injury to the brain happen?
2: Yeah. Um, it happened on January 6th of 2020. It was actually an overnight uh and overtime shift that Eric had picked up. So he actually wasn't even supposed to work that day. And um you were out for supper with some of your officers, and they had gotten a suspicious call. And all three of them picked up and headed over to the house. And honestly, it escalated so fast that with dispatch and their um, recordings that within three minutes, Eric was shot in the head and down.
1: Wow. That fast.
2: That fast within three minutes. Yeah.
1: And what, what happened after that then? I mean, what, what is that entire, I guess, process looked like from, that point moving forward?
2: Um, they then transferred him into an ambulance to the nearest airport, which is in Wasika, and then they airlifted him to North Memorial in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. And as they were taking care of Eric, um, the chief of police had gathered um, a state trooper, a DNR officer, one of our close friends, and an investigator, and they were headed to our house where I and the girls were located. At we live about 25 minutes away from Wasika, and um, I was putting the girls to bed and doing laundry myself. And by the time they had arrived to our house, the girls were actually sleeping and um i was already in bed and uh we used to own a business of auto detailing business so when i got a knock at the door at like 8:40 at night i was like oh man you know somebody's dropping off a vehicle that needs to get detailed tomorrow and eric just forgot to let me know which is totally normal and um When I had opened up the door, I was not expecting to see those two police officers and the investigator and our friends standing there telling me that Eric had been shot. It's very critical. We don't know where, but you need to grab your stuff and we need to go. Hmm. So then I had had one of the officers run next door over to my mom's house and grab her so she could come and stay with the girls. Thankfully, the girls hadn't uh, awoken from any of this um, going on the talking and the packings of the bags. And before I knew it, I was in a helicopter being transported up to Eric as fast as possible.
1: Wow. And so, so you get to Eric and um, he's uh, he's in the hospital at that point. How much time did he spend in the hospital before he was able to go to a rehab setting at all?
2: Um, Eric was in the hospital for the first three months and then he, um, was given the opportunity to come down to QLI in Omaha, Nebraska and spend the next, what we didn't know how many months, but the next seven months of his recovery down there.
1: Okay. And Eric, from, from your side, when, when do you like recall, like, what, what's your first memory after can, any of that happened,
0: in like an operating room and Megan come over and tell me you got shot in the head last night at work.
1: Wow. Wow. So, so that's a, I mean, that's a lot. And you guys were, um, it's been a, a few years now since all of that happened. Oh. Right. And, and, and so I hear you talking about that and it's really, it's really heavy for anyone that's listening for any other, you know, family members that might be listening to this too, but there's been an element of like healing for you guys along the way, but that doesn't mean that the the healing process was or has been easy, right?
2: No, there's definitely been some very testing situations that God has put Eric and I in our marriage to the test with for sure. And the first three months I would say when he came home from his rehabilitation down in Omaha uh were probably the absolute toughest, just because from when he got shot and spent three months in the hospital and then immediately transferred to rehab rehabilitation and then came home seven months after that he we hadn't lived together, and so being in our home setting. And him being so frustrated with not being able to do what he was able to do the last time he was at the house, that was hard to adjust.
3: Yeah, and and Megan, can you talk a little bit more, maybe about some of the things that have changed um, just for your family? You know, Brad and I were talking about this a little bit prior to the. The podcast and you know we have we have young children and um just like the both of you and so how does that walk us through the process of um you know breaking the news to them and how did they take that or how do you navigate that with young children
2: so with our girls um they were five and seven at the time and your first instinct is to protect them correct you're like They can't see them. How am I going to tell them? Like, I got to, you know, make this look like stars and rainbows for them so that Uh they're not traumatized by it. And how our girls actually found out is um, they had taken my phone. This was on the third day. They had taken my phone to, you know, play play a game and they ended up going through my Pictures and they actually found a picture of Eric that I had previously taken. Oh, wow. And they held their emotions in and actually confronted me when we got back to um, the home that we were staying at. They brought me in the room. Remind you, they're five and seven. Yeah, and they're putting wow. me down saying, Mom, we need to talk. And I was like, Oh boy. And they're like, uh We're not very happy with you. We know what happened to dad. And we seen a picture of him on your phone, and I heard you talking on the phone that like he got shot in the head. So it wasn't. I don't know. They, kids, we don't give them enough credit at all. I mean, they can take it, and they've actually been the stronger two out of this than Eric and I have. Um.
1: They're resilient.
2: It yes, perfect, hundred yeah. percent.
1: So you, you were talking about, um, and Eric, you can, you can speak to this too, but you're just talking about like when you got home from rehab, you weren't the same, but everything else around you was kind of the same. And that was really hard. Can you guys, Eric, can you talk about how you've changed? What's, what's different for you?
0: Uh, my motivation that or ability to, to, what would you say?
2: Initiate.
0: Initiate stuff is just not there. Okay
2: interacting with the girls as much as you used to before he doesn't.
1: Yeah. I, so I know, um, just from, you know, working in the realm that we work into, uh, having those roles change. I mean, where you are not only spouse, but maybe spouse and caregiver in some ways, uh, that's a really hard transition. And Megan, can you talk about from your perspective, how have you navigated that? How do you, how do you process through some of that?
2: so actually it wasn't until this last time eric went down for his boot camp in april and came back home in may that i was actually talked to person to person from one of your gals ricky and she said megan you need to step away you are doing way too much you need to take a step back you are his wife you are not his caregiver And that's where you and Eric are butting heads. You have your nurse here. Let him do it during the day. If you need to leave the house, if you need to be out of sight, you need to do that. And that really like sat with me. And so prior to that, I was literally doing everything. And Tyler was just here to be like Eric's, I don't know, friend, really. And now... Um, it's him and Tyler hanging out all day and I leave them a list. I have things for them to do, places for them to go, drop off bills, go get groceries. And it's, it's been working out. It's been working out really good. And I, we're very fortunate enough to be able to have a PCA, another person in the home to help us. Cause not a lot of people are gifted with that.
1: Yeah. 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 One of the things that we were talking about in our uh, more clinically focused uh, podcast about traumatic brain injury is just that there's kind of a spectrum of injuries that can happen. And, and Eric really falls kind of on this more, more catastrophic end of it, more severe end where, um, you know, he's gone from a place of, you know, not having a whole lot of bodily functions to having a lot of that kind of slowly return over time. And uh, not just like physically, but even mentally, some of that is changing for him, right? Correct. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious again, from your guys' perspective, you know, how do you, how do you work through, maybe it's like strategies that you have, it's conversations that you have, but how do you work through where Eric currently is while still like hoping for something more for him too.
2: Finding a goal and just pushing towards that goal. Like, um, it takes a lot for like duck hunting. So duck hunting season is going to be coming up here in the fall. So he needs to like prepare himself for that physically. Um, What
0: do you think? I don't always fall back on that line. Like it could always be worse.
1: I hear you guys saying like finding things that are really like meaningful for Eric and those are kind of the motivators that, that hang out there and that you kind of keep, you keep doing things for, um, whether that's duck hunting season. Eric, I've heard you talk about, uh, your family, your girls, Mm -hmm. right. Being -hmm. available
2: yeah and then we've been given the opportunity to actually do speaking engagements to share our story um with local I don't know organizations around Minnesota so we've actually traveled a lot and that's very therapeutic for me on my standpoint um what would you say fills your cup
0: helping others all whenever I can, just by kind conversation with them.
2: And then he volunteers, too. We've gotten Eric into um, getting involved in the communities around here, and he volunteers, whether that's at the school, um, in the cafeteria, um, being a big brother for the big brother, big sister organization, um, working at one of the local diners, and... Um, we're trying to get him back into doing something with the D.A.R.E. program because he really liked that. But they also have him a part of like Nights of Night.
1: You were, you were just talking about opportunities to kind of share your story. Um, and Megan, you said that that's kind of therapeutic for you. Eric, you said, you know, it's nice to, you know, be able to have share kind words with other people. Uh, is there anything bigger to like being able to share your story with other people? Do you, do you feel like it's impactful or provides insight for other people?
2: Definitely in the law enforcement side of the family is very touched by our story just how we how everything played out that night and then how we have overcome the struggles and um 95 percent of couples in law enforcement actually get a divorce when something traumatic like this happens in their life and so that is what is drawn everybody so close to our story is how strong of a couple this has actually made us um when you say your vows for better for worse a lot of people take that for granted I feel like and this is the worst that I signed up for I mean what happened to Eric is not his fault. And I'm here to take care of him. Um, and just signs of like how God has like pointed us in directions, whether that is making the system for attempted murders on law enforcement officers, we've been able to, um, pass, uh, Eric Matson bill here in the state of Minnesota to strengthen the sentencing time. So that was huge for us. And that opened up a lot of doors. Um, we do hope to write a book someday, Eric's actually going to write one. And then I will write one from his side and my side of things but we just have to let things like settle down. We're so busy right now, just traveling a lot.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you have your kids in a lot of activities and such too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And then, you know, as Brad mentioned, you know, you touched on the, how resilient your, your children have been, your two girls have been through this as well. Um, what do you attribute some of the resiliency that you guys have? I mean, you talk about, I was curious as to maybe the community, uh, you know, of the the family, I think of of law enforcement. Um, Does that add or contribute to the resiliency that you have had um, throughout this whole thing?
0: I think just given um, other officers, the, the mindset of if you get hurt, you can't just lay there and die. You know, I'm still alive physically. Yes. But there are parts of me that have died from that incident that night
1: that was pretty good. That
3: was good. Megan, you had talked a little bit about these speaking engagements and the books you guys want to write. Um, If our listeners want to follow your story, where should they go to do that?
2: Um, I am super active on Instagram. So if you want to follow Eric and my story, you can find me at Megan Matson 222 Otherwise there is also a Facebook page um, that we do not run, but we have somebody else that runs it for us and it's uh, the and Strong page.
3: Great, I think you also mentioned that you guys had started a nonprofit. Could you tell us a little bit about that as well?
2: Yes, um, just last year around um, probably this time, Eric and I had started a nonprofit organization um, And it's where we hand out scholarships to a couple of the surrounding communities um, that Eric actually worked in. Um, Any senior that is going into law enforcement, we've been able to hand out um, $500 scholarships to them.
1: Very cool. That's awesome. And guys thank you for uh, thank you for sitting down with us and just being willing to share your story um, the some of the resilience that you guys have even been growing in and even some of the hopefulness that you have in the midst of living real life and the rawness to all of that too. So we appreciate you doing that and uh, uh, look forward to talking to you soon.
3: Thanks for joining the conversation with us today. If you found it helpful, please share with your family and friends. You can learn more about us at continuetelerehab.com or check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook.